All right, we are on. We are with Steph. Steph is uh, one of the coaches. She is a senior coach at CFK Nutrition. We've been working together for a long time, but she's been with me since we opened, and she's one of the reasons that CFK Nutrition even started. So we've done a podcast before, um, and it was all about her giving birth to her now how many months old? Oh, my gosh. She's a year and a half now. I can believe that. It's insane. Yeah, so last time we chatted was a while ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but it was a while ago. (laughs) I know. I was only thinking to myself the other day, I was like, how long have we known each other now? It's got to be coming up like seven or eight years, right? Well, I started working for The Method around 2000 and I reckon 2017 or 16, mm. somewhere around there. So must mm. be around that point. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So, so Steph and I have always been an heir for each other when it comes to coaching um, with nutrition and with CrossFit and with just running a business. Um, so we've kind of, you know, talked about the things that we're going to talk about many times. Um, there's been many challenges that we've come up against and uh, it's been really nice to have someone who goes through something so similar um, because you just, you need those people. Like, like you just need someone to be like, Hey, there's this thing happening or I have this idea for you. You should do this thing. So um, Steph's my girl, Sorry. Steph's my home girl. Um, and she's she's just you like you know Steph is a coach um she's one of our most expensive coaches for a damn good reason she has people just stay with her for years years and years and then they take a break and then they come back and they're like I will only work with Steph um (laughs) she's just a talented human being she's really good at what she does um and you know she has a lot on her plate so it's amazing that she can give so much um I really admire that about Steph we are going to talk a little bit about her coaching and some of the things that she has learned because um, I know, you know, some of the people listening are our clients. And so we're really yeah. starting to talk to to that audience um, where it is people that we are working with. I know that there are challenges and there are goals um, and, you know, all the things that come with with working on, you know, health, weight loss, performance. So I'm going to dive right into it. Um I, I kind of sent Steph a bunch of questions. So we might end up following the questions. We might not. We could end up on a tangent and we're just going to let that happen. But the general <laughs> the general direction is we're talking about weight loss and I guess the downfalls of doing weight loss the bad way. And when I say bad way, we probably have to define it. Like if you had someone come to you and describe bad like weight loss and you were like, oh, this is this is not been good what would that look like? Like what, when you think bad weight loss, what do you think of? Um, I think just purely based off of the, the many clients that I've worked with over the years, I think that the biggest red flag for me is when they, they come to me and they're like, I restricted to a point where I, um, I lost my period. I, literally felt like um, every single day was a massive struggle. I ended up putting all of the weight back on plus more. Um, And that's usually the, I guess, the story that I get told. It's like, okay, I went on this like extreme diet. I was eating around um, like 1,100 to 1,300 calories a day. Um, I lost a bunch of weight. I did it really quickly. Um, but I also lost my period and then all of this like kind of this cascading effect happened from there. Um, and not only did they put the weight back on, but then they kind of got stuck. They get stuck in a loop. So because that um, situation worked, because they got the result that they wanted, 
even if it was for a very, very short time, it tends to come back and cycle back again. So then they try it again. And maybe this time it doesn't work for as long because they're not able to stick to those low calories for as long as they did the first time because, you know, maybe the motivation's waned or maybe their body's just catching up with them and they're like, hey, like this just, just doesn't feel right. This is this can't go on. Um, and so the cycle just keeps repeating itself, repeating itself, repeating itself. And then, you know, they, they've ended up putting on like over the time they've been doing that, they've ended up putting on more weight than they've actually lost. Um, and then they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I feel like I can just look at food and I put on weight. Um, you know, they feel like, um, I guess the story that I that kind of comes out for me is that they feel like the food is taking control of them and they're not taking control of the food. And it almost is like food becomes the enemy and it is, like plotting against us and we've got to kind of try to find it you know what I mean right we've got to try to find a way back to um really the role of food in our life is to is to nourish and replenish and to help us to be healthy and help us to grow and help us do all of the amazing things that we're trying to do each and every day um but that cycle that negative cycle just really throws us into this place of of feeling as though like we're so disconnected from food and we we need to bring that connection back but I would say that those those kind of three things are the big red flags to me like severely low calories really really fast like dive headfirst into it happens like you know I, I hear stories of you know maybe the most common one is um, cutting all carbohydrates out and, and losing, you know, kilos within a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, and then that just continuing to spiral out of control and lose, we just completely lose touch with food and its role. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate trap of diets. Like if you get into a, a large calorie deficit, it's effective. Um, but can you sustain it for the long term? In many cases, no, especially with the people that you're talking about. And I like the way that you put it as like red flags for weight loss. Um, mm. And so then the trap is like, well, it worked, so I'll do it again. But then what you don't factor into what works is you don't factor into the part where you can't maintain it. And if you can't maintain it, then I think that's the definition of it doesn't work. Um, and so I think unfortunately we blame ourselves, right? Like a lot of those clients come to us and they're like, my body's broken. I can't eat this food. It doesn't work for me. I gain weight really quickly. I bulk up too easily. And it's like, no, we've just done it probably the wrong way. The method you've chosen isn't suitable for your needs. And you're looking at it in a short term rather than across your lifetime. Um, yeah. So I think then with our approach and certainly the way that you coach, um, I'm actually jumping the order of these questions around. So, you know, with people that struggle with those loops, that means that when we talk to them about how we want to do it and what we want to do differently, that mm. brings up a whole new set of challenges because not only is the challenge of doing it a little slower, taking a long way home and being really patient and focusing on health as well as weight loss or aesthetic goals and focusing on performance, mm. Um, that means not only is that part hard, but then you've got the insecurities of, well, it's not happening fast enough and I should be losing more weight. And is it even working? And I don't know if I can keep doing this and maybe I'm broken. And you almost kind of like get these messages that there is something wrong if it's not working quickly enough. 
how do you deal with the challenges that come up when we try to do it differently? Like, and I know it's funny because we're like, you have to start doing something differently. You can't keep repeating this and expecting a different outcome, but there are still mm. mental and emotional roadblocks that we bump into. So many. I mean, you know, the first one being that if a large calorie deficit has worked in the past, then the idea of, of doing the opposite of that is for many, many people, the most scary thing that they could ever possibly do. Um, and when we're talking about such a severe deficit that has been on, on loop for a long time, what we're missing is the part where the calorie deficit stops working and we then eat without potentially tracking. We eat without really considering what it is that's going in because that, that severe calorie deficit has put us in such a, a ravenous state that all of a sudden we've, we've got some catching up to do. We're not taking into account um, how those two things balance each other out. So what do the calories look like over a six-month period? If you're in a severe deficit for um, four weeks, what is the opposite of that and what does that look like? And often we don't know because we're not taking any accountability for what happens after the calorie deficit. Um, and so now we start to, again, there's that disconnect here of, well, we're only really understanding what's happening when we're on a, a diet. And I don't actually like to use that word really, because when we're eating, we're on a diet, like your diet is what you eat all the time. Um, but when we are in that severe calorie deficit, we're taking ownership, we're taking control, we're tracking everything where we're, we think we're fully understanding what's coming in. But the opposite of that is often this kind of feeling of being out of control and, you know, things are everywhere and we don't actually really know what's happening on the flip side. Um, and so when we talk about putting someone in a reverse diet um, where we would slowly build their calories up from what they think they might be eating to where we might want them to go. Um, that can be a really fear-based. Um, it, it can be a, a severe roadblock um, for many because that the idea of, of increasing their calories is just the complete opposite of what they think is the right thing to do. Um, and but what they're not realizing is that usually when they're not tracking, that's pro they're probably eating way more than what I'm suggesting that they would eat in their, in their reverse diet. It's just about taking control of that and finding a place of sustainability, finding a place where they can actually sit and um, not only nourish, but train well, recover well, and put all of, start putting all of the pieces back together, um, the trust back in food, the trust back in their own body, the connection back to um, the the way in which we you know we need to fuel ourselves because uh, ultimately every single cell within your body needs to have something from somewhere um, and if we're not getting it then not only is the you know the calorie deficit there to provide weight loss but there are other uh, negative side effects of doing that as well that we're not taking into consideration. And that is, you know, malnutrition being one of them. Um, and then this whole, you know, as I said before, you lose your period and then this whole cascading effect of, of issues can start to occur um, based off of the, the fact that we're just not getting enough nutrients in. Um, so those are the, that would be one of the biggest roadblocks that I see, but, I think also it would be remiss of me not to talk about the fact that, um, you know, if, if someone comes to me um, 
and you know we're talking about the amount of food that they're eating is you know potentially more than what they think they need to eat it might be because we're trying to battle some symptoms that they're experiencing so um it could be sleep deprivation it could be um that they're having um skin issues so there's a disconnect between what's happening with the skin and what's going on in the gut um it could be because um they are just falling asleep in the middle of the day um there are many many side effects that come from um the way in which we eat and so you know, increasing your calories may not just be for us to figure out a place of, you know, maintaining a healthy body weight, but it could be from making sure that we're coming at this from um, a place of health and well-being. Yeah, I think it's funny how a lot of those symptoms go unconnected to diet, you know, and being in a calorie yeah. deficit, like under eating couldn't cause any problems. Um, or even like you said, if we're in a calorie deficit, quite often we're in a nutrient deficit and that's pretty massive. That's just on its own, a good reason not to be in a calorie deficit for a long time. And we have chronic dieters that swing from being in a calorie or nutrient deficient state into a careless state because they're off the diet or they are on holiday or they can't stick to it. Whatever's happening with the off point of their, their, their nutrient periodization. Um, but yeah, yes. I think that is the really big, like another red flag for people that have tried to lose weight over a long period of time is that you'll probably see other things going wrong in their life. Mm-hmm. And that could even express itself as in training, they simply cannot progress. Like they just don't progress in training and they have no energy for it. Um, and that might seem like a small thing, but that's huge. Like if you're putting in all this work and effort in, in CrossFit or weightlifting or whatever your training style is, and you're not recovering, you're not feeling good. Not only, you know, is it a, a big, like it should be a flashing sign of like, this is not okay, but you can mm. often then be contributing, compounding to these issues of being in a nutrient or calorie defic- uh, deficit or deficiency even more. It's like, it just like, it's the cascading, mm. the the negative like consequences of chronically under eating or training more than what your body can tolerate, not recovering, not sleeping enough, not getting the nutrients your body needs. And it's like, you end up in this just shitty, shitty point. And the recovery from that takes time. And like you said, I think one of the best things that people can do is actually just eat at maintenance or above for a long period of time. And I like to call it getting to the start line, right? Like people think that they start with a coach and they're at the start line and they're ready to lose weight. And there's a lot of people that aren't at the start line yet and we have to get them there first. And that can mean that the best way to run that race from the start line is to eat a lot of food for a period of time first, get your nutrients up, get your calories up, feel really good, get your lifestyle back on track then you're at the start line. Then weight loss is going to be so much easier. And you're going, instead of going from like, you know, I kind of like the idea of when we think of eating at or or putting in like 80% effort, or I think maybe the better, better way to illustrate it would be if you've got, you know, 50% of your energy or of your vitality to give to, you know, training and weight loss and doing all these things, it's going to be pretty hard to do that. But if you've got 80% or 90% or a hundred percent, that's going to be a much easier thing to tackle. Um, and so I think that that's kind of the way that you're going about it. It's like, do you want to go in with a full mm-hmm. cup or do you want to go in with a, with a almost empty cup? It's like the experience will reflect the start point that you're at. Um, yeah. So oh, totally. I think, um, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I would love 
I would so love for more people to um, experience what it's like to have 100% to give. You know what I mean? Like, I think that we're so used to running on empty. We're so used to being um, in this state of worrying about um, weight loss, worrying about body composition, worrying about being smaller, worrying about how we look, that none of us, or I shouldn't say none of us, a lot of us haven't felt what it's like to be at the top of our game. Like, how cool is it to be able to, walk in the gym, smash your training, feel like you've got plenty of energy to give. But not only that, you've got super mental clarity. You're not in this constant brain fog all the time. You are remembering things better. You're able to, um, you know, you you might be able to do a little bit extra. You might be able to go a little bit harder. Um, And also then you feel motivated to continue on with the rest of your day. Like your training session doesn't then become the end of your day. And you're like, okay, I've I've expended all of my energy. I know so many people like that who will walk away from the gym and be like, I just want to go and lay down on my couch for the rest of the day. And that's, that's not what training is supposed to do. Like training is supposed to like give you that extra little boost it's meant to be like that great start to your day or you know for those that have already done their day it's meant to be the the great end of your day and if you're coming away from your training session and you're like oh man that's it I've got nothing left my tank is completely empty then you know it's it's actually starting to take away from your life it's starting to take away from your day um and you know if you're somebody in who's in that position that 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 should be a big like big red flag for you straight away to be like okay there's something that's not quite right here if like my training session is basically emptying my my tank for the entire day you know Mm. Mm. so then if people if a red flag of weight loss is losing weight really quickly um and doing it by more extreme means where you're not eating enough food um and you're doing it to the point where you're tired or potentially losing your period how long should it take to lose weight? Like how long does it really take to lose fat and what else can you do to contribute to a better body composition? Well, it's a, that's a really, it's a super loaded question um, because it is so different for every single person. And like you said before, like for some people it could take um, five years just to get to the starting line you know like if you've been chronically dieting if you've been d- round and round that roller coaster for for years on end then we have to take that almost that same amount of time just to get back to the start point where your body is ready to to go into this with a new perspective um, feeling safe you know I use that term a lot with my clients like your body in order to really do what we're asking it to do, it needs to feel safe. And that can come from a place of um, high stress. That can come from a place of, you know, knowing your body knows, like if you have, um, if you're somebody who constantly skips breakfast and you're like, you don't eat until two o'clock in the afternoon, like you'll get up in the morning and your body be like, here we go again. We've got to wait now until two o'clock. till we get that first feed? It's, you know, there are so many different aspects of, of this that will really come into play when, when we talk about how long it will take someone. If someone comes to me at a, um, you know, at a fairly decent starting point where, you know, they have a regular period, um, you know, we're talking about women, obviously, if, if, a, if a man comes to me and they're getting regular morning wood, they've, they've got a, a, um, a sex drive, they are feeling as though they've got, um, you know, their sleep schedule under control, as in, you know, they're sleeping regularly and continually throughout the night. Um, 
and their calories that I will get them to track for that first week without any targets. So gives me a kind of a benchmark of, of an idea roughly of what their average calories are. If that's at a fairly decent point, again, it's different for everybody depending on how much they're training or not training or um, what they do for work, all of that kind of stuff. Um, then we can generally get a fairly good um momentum of weight loss in 12 weeks with a a slight break in the middle. Um, That's, again, it's going to depend on how much weight that person has to lose, wants to lose, um, as to whether that 12 weeks is enough to get them where they want to go. And then we take a break and we look at a a muscle gaining period after that. Um, It's, again, person dependent they could go for maintenance for the rest of the year and then come back and do another calorie deficit at some point if they're looking to tighten up again or you know if, if they've got um, different goals for um, aesthetics but it's um, you know if there's if there's a lot of weight to lose you know maybe up to 10 kilos it could be done in two or three phases with breaks in the middle depending um, I will often gauge it as to whether they're sticking to it, they're being consistent, if they're having any issues along the way, like, you know, are we seeing any new issues pop up? Like have they gone from sleeping eight to nine hours continuously to now waking up during the night? Like there will be many reasons why we might need to pull back or take a break or, um, you know, make this process spread out even longer. Um, But that's why it's so important, I think, to have that one-on-one time with a coach and to make sure that you're like bouncing back and forth and telling them what they need to know week on week so that, you know, you can see where the adjustments need to be made. Yeah, I think compliance is like pretty much one of the biggest things that we have to, like, you know, when people are working with us, it's like, that's kind of what we're there for. We're there for accountability because you have to be compliant. And when Mm. people feel frustrated with weight loss, Um, the first thing that I think pretty much all of us coaches will do is be like, okay, can you rein it in? Can you spend two weeks reining it in? Be more accurate, be better with weighing and measuring, stop eating out for those four meals a week. Like let's rein it in when you get more precise Mm. with the numbers and we know exactly how much you're eating, then will we see a response from your body? If we do, then we know that it's not the numbers, it's not the targets, it's just that you're having a little snack here, you're having a little bit of your kid's food here, you forgot to track that thing accurately that you had out that you didn't scan, whatever it is. It's like the compliance thing, you know, and it's never something that's done deliberately or, you know, a lot of people are just making honest mistakes with tracking and forgetting stuff. Um, But that's the Mm. first thing. It's like if you want to figure, if you want to accelerate, then a lot of the times it's actually compliance. Um, and saying that there probably is the flip end where we have clients where you don't have to tell them to go harder. We have to tell them, Hey, like, just, can you go and eat like a a treat just once a week? Just do once, (laughs) please Mm -hmm. just chill out a little bit. You need to eat more food on this day. And it's like, we almost have to push them to not be such perfectionists because that again is where we're going to see the long-term consistency pay off. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the timeline, we don't want them to get, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Go, go, go. You go. I was just going to say, like, we don't want them to get, like, you know, past this phase of where, um, you know, I guess, like, for me being a new a new mom, like, we don't want them to get past this phase where, like, the gym is the most important thing in their life, where training is the most important thing, where they've got all this time to really dedicate themselves to the gym, to then go into an, the next phase of their life where all of a sudden something else is a priority and they're not able to bring that perfectionist um, uh 
their their perfectionist aspects to their day day on day off every single day like it's it will become there will become a point where um something else in their life will demand their attention and their time and their focus and all of a sudden they don't actually know then how to bring in um some leniency because they have been so structured and been so specific and been so perfect that um that then completely throws them we are here to kind of give them an outside perspective to be like you know this is working for you now but I want to show you a different way because I want this to work for you for the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Like it, there are going to be times in your life where this isn't going to, um, it, this just isn't going to fly anymore. You know, it, it, there are going to be different things that are going to come in and, and derail you. And, and I want to make sure that you already know what the derailments are before you even have to get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting to watch people, it, try to do it perfectly but in trying to do it perfectly they accomplish less because they either get really short stints or they don't know how to keep going when they've made a mistake and it's like hey to be consistent you you have to allow imperfection into your world um the consistency requires a little bit of inconsistency you know it's like real true consistency could be argued to be long-term small percentage of inconsistency right like like that would kind of be potentially an argument for what consistency really is and that mentally is like a how do I even manage that what does that like especially if you're someone who is the the super disciplined or totally careless kind of person with your diet like that is really hard to understand and implement because you've only known 100% and when you try to find 80% it feels like you're messing up it feels like you screwed up and it feels like you're making mistakes and it's not the case um, mm, yeah. yeah, the timeline thing is funny. I think, you know, the way that I like to help people understand it is whatever you think the timeline's going to be, no matter how good you are at math, just assume mm. you're going to take longer. Just assume, <laughs> just assume you've undershot by potentially, you know, half of what it's actually going to take or a third. Um, I like the triple your t- timeline purely because it just makes people stop thinking about the timeline. Like just just don't worry about the timeline, you know, like let it go, worry on each day and make each day good. And I think that the longevity of eating well is that it is just for forever. So if you're doing a weight Mm. loss phase, then totally okay to have a prescribed amount of time that you're doing it for. Um, But man, if you've got X amount of weight done to be lost in X amount of time, you're already battling an uphill battle, right? You're already uh, Mm. potentially going Mm. to feel frustrated and just not accomplishing these theorized numbers about what you can do in X amount of time. Um, So I I don't like timelines. I don't like goal weights. It's like, let's just go in a direction. Let's pick how long we're going to do it for. And then let's take care of your health and make sure that you're in a position to actually accomplish those goals or get close to them. Yeah. I mean, we're humans. We're like, we're not we're not where we are not carbon copies of each other. And even if you are the same height, the same weight, the same, um, you know, you do the exact um, same training sessions as someone else, um, the same age, like you could literally be born on the same day. Like none of that actually matters because your body is so unique and your, um, your influences, things that have impacted your, um, your relationship with food, the way you think about food, the way that you've been brought up around food, all of those things are going to have an impact um, on you and the way that you will approach 
um, your day-to-day eating. And, you know, like um, I, I've worked with a client um, and, you know, lots of, lots of coaches will talk all about their, you know, their success stories and, you know, this client lost this, um, this amount of weight in, you know, this time and all that sort of stuff. But like, you know, I think it's so important for us to talk about um, the clients that we are still trying to get to that start point. I really, I really actually like that analogy a lot because, um, you know, I've been working with a client now for 40 weeks and we have been really honing in on um, her, the way that she thinks about food and the way that food can be a reactionary um, part of her life. Um, The way that stress has impacted um, her daily timeline when it comes to food so there are really stressful periods of her day where she can't eat and then there are periods of her day where she feels more relaxed and then she will then um, try to I guess rebut those times where she didn't eat at all and get a lot of food in and this has impacted the way that her um, body has digested food it has impacted the way that her body will store and lose weight it has really impacted the way in which her hormones react to food as well. So insulin levels, her cortisol levels, all of this we've been working on for the last um, 40 weeks has really been around, okay, well, how do we manage your stress so that we can then manage the way that you um, you spread your food out across the day so that we can manage your digestion, so that we can manage the way that you think about food, so that we can manage your overall relationship with food. Um, That's had nothing to do with weight loss whatsoever, but her, you know, her original goal still remains that she will lose weight, but we've got to take the time that she needs to get there because if we just put her and she was already what I, in what I would consider a calorie deficit when she started with me and she wasn't losing weight there. So, you know, there was so much work to do before we can even get to a point where I was willing to put her back into a calorie deficit. And that meant increasing that meant, um, you know, letting go of so many of the food rules that she had. It meant letting go of the way in which that she would structure her eating to manage her um, stress and anxiety. Um, Like, it's it's been a, a process and a journey and you know my hope is that by the time we get to a point where she's able to be put into a calorie deficit that her body feels safe she knows exactly what's happening her you know the the thoughts and processes that were with food don't come back into play um because at the end of the day like you know i know you agree with this i know that cfk is built on this pillar is that we want people to leave us healthier than when they started and that might not always necessarily mean weight loss yeah which is a tough pill for people to swallow but right there that is the master in action ladies and gentlemen that is why steph is really good at her job that actually reminds me and i think this will be a perfect um conversation or like rounding out of our chat uh, mm. you are kind of known for your approaches to being kind of counterintuitive because of that, because you know what the long-term journey looks like. And if you can get people yeah. to deal with these, the shit that's going on, on under the hood, then when you do do the weight loss and you come out the other end, you don't end up being another person that has the, the after photo after the after photo that looks nothing you know that's the the regained weight and the no habits yeah. that are healthy around eating it's like you're setting someone up for success in the long term and i know um actually one of our other coaches olivia who's working with you just put this on instagram mm. the other day she is another mm. example of that she's like i've been working with steph for 
potentially three months plus, maybe more, I think. Um, And she hasn't tracked in that time because she has just been working on, she's got two kids that are like in primary school in 10, 10 or 12, somewhere around there. Um, Partner, she has another job. She works online as well. And she spent all this time working with you, not tracking because she's just setting up really consistent habits around eating. What's your process been with her? Well, I think, um, you know, what I learned about uh, Olivia um, early was that she's somebody who likes to put 100% of herself into every bucket of her day. Um, And I think I can relate to that a lot because, um, you know, we, when we work in this kind of online um, way, we often have, we often wear multiple hats, you know, and as soon as you are, um, you know, as soon as you're a a wife, a girlfriend, um, a partner, a, a mum, you're already wearing multiple hats when you are working a job. So we're already wearing t- wearing two. And then if you've got a- another job on top of that, now you're wearing three, potentially four. And I, if you put training on top of that, which she was, um, then you've got another one. And if you want to put all of yourself into all of those things all of the time, you're going to start to get to a point where um, – you're feeling like you're failing at everything <laughs> because you you don't have 100% of yourself to give to every single one of those things. Um, and so I initially was working with Olivia to try to work out, okay, well, how do we structure your day so that um, when you're doing the thing that you're meant to be doing at that time, you're giving yourself fully over to that thing. And then when you're then doing the next thing, you're giving yourself fully to that thing. Um, but knowing that over the course of the day, you're giving 100%. So you're not trying to give your all to every single thing all of the time. So, you know, we talked a lot about distractions and we talked a lot about, um, you know, even just setting up the structure of her day. Olivia trains at 4.30 in the morning now and that's been working really, really well for her because she's now able to get so much of, um, you know, her admin and her work done before the kids are even up and about and, you know, getting ready for their day. So, you know, that's not going to work for everyone. Like I couldn't just turn around and say, you know, even to you, Kate, hey, Kate, I want you to work out at 4.30 in the morning. You'd be like, no, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> but for some people, <laughs> that's going to work really well. It just depends on, um, you know, the, the structure of your day and the type of person that you are. Um, you know, Olivia also needed to, um, uh, I guess, rectify some thoughts that she had around what training meant to her, whether she wanted to compete, what that looked like. Um, and so, you know, we've gone down a journey of, of many, many different things that, that were mainly associated with Olivia's lifestyle. And then once we've, we've got to a point where she felt comfortable around how her days were structured and what was important to her and when, um, we could then look at the tracking. But I also think it's really important to note that I think we are very, very good. And I say we, um, as in women specifically, we have a habit of putting ourselves last on the list. We are the the last priority. And I almost think that in some weird way, we do that because then it becomes easier to deprive ourselves, which sounds so silly. But when you look at it across the spectrum of um of where we think weight loss comes from and how we achieve it. If you're taking care of your kids and you're getting them ready for school and you're getting them breakfast 
and you run out of the door with a coffee, well, great, you've skipped breakfast. So now like I've just missed out a bunch of calories and that's a, that's a really good thing. And then because I've organized their lunch boxes and got their bags ready and I've done this and I've done that, now I didn't actually bring my lunch to work. So, you know, I'm just going to like quickly grab this or quickly grab that. And then by the end of the day, you've barely eaten anything. And so you come home, you put the kids to bed and all of a sudden you're like, hey, where's the chocolate and the chips? And this is like so reminiscent of, um, I guess, a a structure that we've now formed um, across many, many clients that I've worked with because they've just put themselves so um, far down the priority list that by the time it comes time for them to take care of themselves, the easiest thing to do is to find things that actually are detrimental to our health and our goals um, rather than the other way around. And so it's actually teaching many of my clients how to put themselves higher up on the priority list so that they can see how good it feels and how much more they can give to the people that they love or that they're supporting or their work or whatever it is that's important to them, how much more they can give by giving to themselves first. And that doesn't happen overnight. You don't just go unlearn all of those habits, um, you know, in a day, in a week, like that, that takes time. And you know, you have to move past a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings and a lot of guilt um, to remind yourself that, hey, like I'm important too and I deserve this too. Um, so, yeah, that's been a huge part of working with Olivia too. I hope she doesn't mind me saying all this. Sorry, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I think the funny thing that is consistent across so many people that we end up talking to is they come to us saying, I'm overweight, I need to lose weight, I'm struggling, but my problem is that I don't eat. When I'm stressed and I'm busy, I don't eat enough. And it seems Mm. like, well, that doesn't add up, but the reality is exactly what you just described. They conveniently inconvenience themselves by not focusing on what they need to eat and not prioritizing their own own nutrients. end up not eating enough and at some stage will overeat um, because, well, I haven't eaten all day. So I've barely had anything like any calories. So it's it's probably okay if I do eat more now um, or it's a self-destructive cycle. Um, people have yeah. lost their way with their diet. They can't maintain the strict rules they've had in the past. And so the carelessness or sometimes also recklessness is, well, I'll do, it's better to just not eat than to try and eat healthy. And then that mm. results in either, you know, we have probably two pools of people. There are pools of people that actually really don't eat and they under eat and they really struggle because of mm. that. Um, and so for them, they actually have to learn how to eat enough consistently. Uh, and then the other category of people that don't eat and then 100% overeat many times during the week they eat the wrong kinds of foods they just have crazy decision fatigue at the end of the day they're just totally exhausted and food is a you know it's it's self-soothing it's it's a tool at that point it's not just about eating because they're hungry it's eating because it's serving them in in a different way so ironically a lot of people we're helping are not people that have a problem with eating too much food they're people that have a problem with not caring about themselves enough to eat and organize their food Um, And that's the beginning of it for so many people. That's the very first thing that we tackle. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting to hear that. I think that can be really um, not what you'd expect, right? Like it's not the first thing Mm. you think about when you think of people who struggle with their weight. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Steph. It's always a pleasure. I love chatting with you. I love hearing the way that you see things. It's just, it's always really nice to just gain some insight from you and your processes and just your thoughts about it. I think, you know, all of us care so much about the people that we work with and are really invested in doing it the right way um, and not yeah. being another fucking diet that people go hard on and then just lose their way. Like it's, you know, as much as we do have to deal with a lot of people being frustrated with the process, I'd much rather that they are frustrated yeah. with the process being too slow and they're having to eat more and mm -hmm. they're afraid of gaining weight than, you know, doing the quick fix that is actually not a permanent fix. It's just a very temporary fix that makes them feel good in the moment, but um, leaves them feeling worse off, worse for wear at the end. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, we have a responsibility to our clients at the end of the day. I think that it's, it's, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to, um, I wouldn't be able to do this job if I knew that I was helping people, um, you know, walk away from the experience um, in a worse place than when they started, even if that wasn't immediately, even if that was five years later that, you know, they were in a worse off state because of the things that they learned from, um, from doing the, um, from doing this with us. So, you know, we, we have, we have a responsibility. I take that very seriously. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You're amazing. I'll stop. You are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Steph and um, guys if you are interested in coaching you can work with Steph she always has extremely limited spots so you most likely will be on a wait list um, but it is worth the wait otherwise you can sign up with one of our other coaches jump onto the website cfk.com and just They're pull the amazing. trigger just do it you will not regret it in fact you'll probably just wish that you signed up ages ago so no more totally just do it <laughs> thanks awesome. so much Steph thanks for filling my Oh, thanks for filling my cup today. Bye, guys. <laughs> <It's done. laughs>